0: This podcast features the expertise of Dr. Jume Jakite, a native French speaker who provided his answers in French. These answers have been overlaid by Dr. Ari Johnson, who provided translation services.
1: Welcome to our Faith and Philanthropy podcast series, where we are exploring what philanthropy and purpose means from a Muslim perspective. My name is Safiya Dandia, and I am part of the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services team at UBS. We speak about faith because in working closely with our clients and their families, we recognize the important role that faith plays for many in shaping values, identifying needs, and helping others. It's oftentimes central to why people give and how they give. Thanks for tuning into this episode where we are featuring one of our UBS Optimist Foundation Zakat-eligible grantees, MUSO. The UBS Optimist Foundation is our in-house foundation dedicated to helping our clients source and manage impactful programs, improving the lives of children around the globe. We identify evidence-based, scalable solutions in the areas of health care, education, protection, and the environment. MUSO has been a strong partner in our health portfolio for several years now, and we're excited to share that this Ramadan, they have been added as one of our new Zakat-eligible programs. For those who are unfamiliar, Zakat is a form of almsgiving for Muslims who meet certain conditions under a threshold of wealth, where they must distribute a percentage of their wealth to charitable causes every year. At the UBS Optimist Foundation, we're continuing to expand our selection of programs that are Zakat-eligible, so that our clients who are giving from an Islamic perspective and are looking to fulfill their Zakat can do so through us. We're also excited to share that this Ramadan, we're offering a 20% match on all contributions to each of our Zakat-eligible programs, including MUSO. Joining us today to explore MUSO's impactful work are CEO and co-founder, Dr. Ari Johnson, and the country director for the program in Mali, Jume Jakite. Now, Musu is doing such incredible work to address the injustices of health and poverty in Mali. With a population of over 18 million, Mali is at the epicenter of the child mortality crisis. The country's under-5 mortality rate of 115 per 1,000 is 16 times that of the United States and is one of the world's highest. Currently, 59% of Malian women do not access basic prenatal care during pregnancy, and pregnancy complications kill one in 27 women. In Mali, like in much of the world, the top killers of children are malaria, diarrhea, pneumonia, and neonatal causes. Minutes and hours matter in treating these diseases. And for Malian patients, access to care is low and late. Early access to proven healthcare tools can avert nearly all under five child deaths. And MUSO has documented rapid health improvements in the communities it serves with its proactive care model, including sustaining a rate of child mortality lower than any country in sub-Saharan Africa for five years running. Ari, could you please start us off by sharing the founding story of MUSO and how the MUSO model is structured to address some of these challenges?
2: Thank you, Sophia, for having us um, and for enabling us to be part of this uh, inspiring Zakat initiative with UPS. MUSO began co-founded by a group of Malians and Americans sharing a common commitment and that commitment is that no one anywhere should die waiting for health care. Who gets care first and who gets care last should not depend on where we were born or how much money we have in our pocket uh, or our gender or the color of our skin. Um, every single person uh, should um, be able to access the vaccination testing and medical care treatment that they need and deserve um, without delay and that's why we exist. Uh, So how did we get started? Um, So this journey began for Muso with a group of Malian and American co-founders moving in uh, with communities living on the edge of Mali's capital city Um, sort of in the shadows of Mali's capital to a set of particularly of vulnerable peri-urban communities uh, called Yiri Majo. and we were uh, incredibly welcomed into uh, this set of communities, into this area, um, and uh, both uh, Dr. Jakite and myself, as well as other MUSO co-founders, uh, moved in early on in our work uh, with Uh, the communities we sought to serve and partner with and not long after we moved in uh, something uh, powerful and transformative happened Uh, something that we weren't entirely expecting but that reshaped everything that came after one of our neighbors came to see us and we could tell that she was deeply troubled that she was um almost in a panic and she said, will you come see my grandson, Ibrahim? And so we could tell something was wrong. We rushed with her through the alleys of the neighborhood and uh, got to her home. And we found Ibrahim, who was uh, about one year old, infant. And uh, the little boy was soaked and sweated had really high fever and he was struggling to breathe he was in respiratory distress and it was clear to us immediately that he was in danger and so we did what any neighbor would have done in that situation right uh we mobilized and we rushed him to the nearest hospital to try to get him care but we were too late and the next day we were sitting at little Ibrahim's funeral, reliving what it was like to be with him on the last day of his life uh to watch him dying uh, and mourning with his his grandparents and his parents and okay, we were we were angry um, because it was clear to us that Ibrahim should not have died that he died because he didn't get the care that he needed early enough. And we felt culpable as well. Um, that we, um, and um, as part of the human, greater human family, had um, put in, uh, allowed such a situation to exist where um, children are, are dying um, because in the setting of poverty, they're not getting access to the care that they need and deserve in time. And so we started asking ourselves, well, why and how did this happen? But before we could answer that question, a few days later, something very similar happened. And then it happened again, and then it happened again, and again, and again. It got to the point where nearly... Every week, we were attending the funerals of our neighbors. We were attending the funerals of babies, of young moms, of children. Um, We attended the funeral of uh, one of our neighbors who was a young mother who died of a dental infection, a cavity, um, because she didn't have enough money, the few dollars that she would have needed for antibiotics. Um, to treat the dental infection, and it uh, turned into an abscess, which turned into a bloodstream infection, and septic shock, which killed her. And we sat there, and we mourned with her toddler. Um, And as we had these experiences, accompanying first a few of our neighbors and a few dozen, then a more than a hundred of our neighbors, one by one, as they struggled to access the care that they needed for themselves and their children. We saw that so much depended on this one thing, time. So much depended on how early or late someone got the care. So for our neighbors who somehow managed to reach us early, even a few dollars worth of health care was enough to turn life around. We saw uh, kids come back from uh, severe illness um, and be uh, healthy and playing again within a matter of days when we caught them early. But most patients were in the other category who had faced long struggles and many delays on their path to care. So those are the patients that no matter how many nights we stayed up all night, uh, with them, no matter how much effort or resources we put into it, it often wasn't enough. Those are the funerals that we went to, and the neighbors who we saw die in front of us. And so we asked ourselves, what would happen if we could imagine, design, create a different kind of health system? What if we could design a kind of health care that meets patients where they are with care, with extreme speed, what if we could cure delay? And that question loose so as it exists today. We work to build the world's fastest healthcare systems in partnership with some of the world's poorest communities.
1: Thanks so much for sharing that. That's truly a heartbreaking story, but it's it's incredible to see what came out of those experiences. Jume, could you please share more about what makes Muso's approach in Mali unique and how Muso partners with the government in Mali?
2: So, at the core of this is a saying that uh, what you do for me without me is against me. Um, And the flip side of that is that uh, we make a commitment. Uh, to treat our patients as our professors, Um, to learn from our patients um, as the primary authority on their needs and the challenges that they face. Um, And so what this means is that Mousseau has built a type of healthcare that looks different from uh, most other healthcare systems because it is designed with patients and with community leaders, and it is designed based on the difficulties and priorities and challenges that our patients and community partners highlight as most important to them. In this way, built a healthcare program that's founded on the values of solidarity and social justice uh, and on a commitment to our patients. And our patients appreciate this approach because, you know, many other organizations come in and they've they've got their own agenda, their own way of doing things, um, uh, and they have their own priorities. And instead, we have worked very hard to identify barriers to rapid care together with patients. We co-create our healthcare systems with our patient and community partners, uh, to build a model of healthcare that uh, truly responds to their needs, meets them where they are with quick care. Um, and in this way, patients and community members become the principal actors leading implementation.
1: So, Ari, Musil is aiming to cure this issue of the delay by reaching each patient as quickly as possible. Could you speak a little bit about how that model works and how the community health care workers are identified and uh, what kind of services they're, they're able to provide?
2: Absolutely. Thanks for the question. So, As Dr. Jacupe explained, uh, we begin our design process asking patients what are the barriers they face that delay their access to care, and they consistently tell us about some of the same things. They tell us about financial barriers, so um, they can't afford to pay the fees. Um, They tell us about distance to the nearest clinic or healthcare provider that they can't afford to travel. Um, They tell us about their doubts about whether their healthcare providers have have the skills and equipment and infrastructure they need um, to make the diagnosis and provide the cure. And so Musso's approach to rapid healthcare care overcomes those key barriers. Um, and how does that work? Uh, it begins with uh, paid professionalized community health workers going door to door and searching for patients who need care, bringing the care to the patient so that uh, most care is happening at the doorstep and in the community, outside the walls of clinics and hospitals. Uh, This makes it much easier for patients to access care quickly because we bring the care to them. Uh, The second piece, uh, which is critical, is that we provide care uh, free of charge, Uh, so without any fees, no copays, no deductibles. Um, And we know that those fees are potentially the number one barrier. Um, preventing folks, particularly those living in poverty, from accessing the care they need in time. So all care in the system happens without fees for our patients. Third, uh, those community health workers who are providing care at the doorstep, uh, they are also identifying the sickest patients, the most complex patients, uh, who uh, need a higher level of care, and they're evacuating those patients by off-road ambulances, they, they'll call an off-road ambulance that brings the, those patients to uh, redesigned and strengthened primary care clinics where we build out the teams, the infrastructure, and the equipment to provide rapid quality healthcare. So, it's those core things, um, professionalized community health workers, bringing care to the doorstep, providing that care without fees and making sure that the sickest patients can get care at strengthened rapid access.
1: Thank you for sharing that. What's so impactful about this model is that it not only benefits the patients receiving service, but also the local community members who go through the community health care worker training and become educated and empowered to provide these services to their neighbors. How are community health care workers identified, and what does that training process entail, and what kind of services are they then able to provide when they go door to door?
2: Community health workers are responsible for leading community health care delivery uh, for the communities that they serve. Um, So these are women and men from their own villages, from their own communities and neighborhoods, uh, who get nominated and identified and put forward by their communities. Uh, so um, these are folks who have the trust in their communities based on their demonstrated commitment to the health of their communities. Um, and so the first step in the selection process of community health workers is to um, is that for community members, um, community groups to select and nominate uh, potential community health workers uh, who will then participate in a training process uh, to become a community health worker. So the selection process begins with the, commu- the community um, proposing a, a many candidates uh, who, who they believe meet uh, the, the core needs and are, are trusted um, potential community health workers. Um, then there's a selection com- committee composed both of uh, technical members of the MUSO team and community members um, uh, who together evaluate candidates for um, core literacy skills, uh, technical skills, um, as well as uh, values alignment um, and their level of commitment. Um, at the end of the training process, um, all candidates go through an accreditation process. They uh, undergo an, an accreditation test that um, looks technically at their capacity to uh, provide uh, the care that, um, that they will need to provide. Um, so it tests their skills in diagnosing and treating malaria diagnosing and treating diarrheal disease and uh, pneumonia, um, as well as malnutrition. They test their skills uh, and their abilities on accompanying uh, newborns in those critical first 28 days of life, as well as accompanying uh, women and providing prenatal care for women uh, throughout their pregnancy. Um, uh, These are core elements of the package of care that community health workers provide in the home. Um, And uh, the accreditation process uh, tests uh, candidates at the end of the training uh, for their ability uh, to serve in these ways. To ensure that uh, these community health workers are providing the highest level of quality care, um, we our support to them doesn't end with accreditation and selection uh, when we send them out into communities. At that point, community health workers begin a relationship with their manager, a dedicated supervisor, And um, that supervisor provides 360 degree supervision um, and conducts a 360 degree supervision evaluation uh, with coaching for each community health worker every month. Um, That is a way uh, for um, us and for each supervisor to provide support to community health workers uh, to um, support their high level of quality of care. uh, and support a process of continuous improvement um, as we move forward.
1: Great, and NUSO also conducts rigorous research research studies to measure the impact of the programs. Can you speak about that focus on research and and what kind of impact NUSO has been able to achieve thus far since its formation?
2: Absolutely. So at MUSO, we do research for three reasons. Number one, to hold ourselves accountable to our patients and our partners, um, because their, their lives are on the line. Uh, number two is to learn and improve every single day. And number three is that research provides opportunities to change policy and to make impact at scale together with our government partners. Um, providing evidence that helps them change their whole national healthcare systems, driving change for millions of people. So those are the reasons we do research. Um, we've conducted an array of research trials to date um, that have guided the design of our work and have also tested our model of rapid care. Um, one of those research studies, a seven-year uh, research study, In the communities we serve, uh, was published in 2018 in the British Medical Journal of Global Health. That study documented that the communities served by this rapid, proactive healthcare model achieved um, more than tenfold increase in number of patient care visits and their access to care. That went up by an order of magnitude. Those same communities um, started the study at baseline with. One of the world's highest rates of child death um, 154 deaths per thousand line birth so that's about 15 percent of kids dying uh, before they reach age five by the end of the trial uh, the rate of child death had gone from 154 per thousand to seven per thousand or less or from 15 percent to less than one percent um, so this plummeting of child death rates showed us that uh, the community served by this approach achieved and sustained rates of child death lower than that of any country in sub-Saharan Africa.
1: That's truly remarkable. And what's next for Muso? How do you plan to continue your growth and impact in Mali?
2: So the results I just described, they are outlier results. Um, They may be extraordinary, but they shouldn't be. The death of a child should be rare in every community. Death of a child should be rare everywhere. And that is what we are working toward. And so how do we get there? Um, In the next couple of years, our goal is to expand um, and serve a quarter of a million new patients in addition uh, to the patients we serve, nearly doubling our reach in the course of just uh, two years. Uh, We're also going to be publishing uh, new research uh, the results of one of the world's largest uh, community health trials uh, later this year, which we aim to um, use to help accelerate the global effort for child survival and early health care for all. We're finally working together with the governments of Mali and of Cote d'Ivoire to change national policy, to build national health care systems that reach patients faster and to start delivering for millions of patients uh, through those government systems.
1: Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And as a last question, could each of you speak about the role that your own personal faith backgrounds have played in not only the formation of MUSO, but also in your own lives in ending up in the positions you're in today where you are directly serving communities in need.
2: God has given me opportunities in my life. God has enabled me with others to help my fellow human beings. So I'm, I'm a practicing Muslim. And at the core of my practice is solidarity, that we have a responsibility to each other, to help each other. And uh, this is a daily practice. And a daily practice that uh, we're particularly reminded of this month of Ramadan, to put ourselves at the same level as everyone else. Um, With the creation of MUSO, I've had the opportunity to manifest that commitment. Uh, that commitment to help my, my fellow human beings. That, um and we know that this way of helping, helping matters because health is at the core of everything. Um it it's not only care is not only essential uh, for us to be healthy and to survive, but it also enables us to be autonomous, to take care of ourselves. Um it provides so many other benefits to our lives. My practice as a Muslim has guided me onto this path, and God has given us this opportunity to do uh, this work of care, Um, particularly through the partnership of of so many others, uh, so many other partners who are not even in Mali and who share this commitment to help their brothers and sisters. Their commitment um, beyond borders uh, their commitment enables me to help my brothers and sisters
1: as well. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that and for translating that. Um, Ari, could you speak about your own personal faith background as well and and what role that's played?
2: Thank you, Sophia. So one thing that I'm so grateful for, so um, MUSO is co-founded by a group of Muslims and Christians and Jews working together. Um, And um, I'm so grateful to be able to work um, in Mali in such an ecumenical environment, a predominantly Muslim community that um, uh, really supports and uh, celebrates all of us working together. Um, In my own uh, religious practice, our sacred texts teach us that when we have the power to save someone's life, we must act. It is an imperative above all others. Nothing can be more important than taking action when we have the power to save someone's life. And what I've discovered through Musso is that we have so much power, each of us uh sitting here listening to this conversation has so much power to uh save lives. Um you know Musso's um, healthcare model. Uh, it in in this model, it, it's taking less than twenty dollars uh, per person served in direct cost per year uh, to to provide healthcare, to provide life saving healthcare to someone. I have gotten to witness that happen so many times, and what an incredible opportunity and uh, commitment, right? Um, what I've learned um, working with, um, with my colleagues um, is that we share this common commitment to the immeasurable value of every human life um, and a common understanding that when we have the power and capacity to, to make, take action, to save a life, that we must act, and we must act with the fierce urgency of love of our fellow human beings. And it should be a, a fire under our feet and driving us to take care of each other, to mute each other without delay of with care.
1: Thank you so much to both of you for sharing those beautiful sentiments and for providing this insight into the incredible work that MUSO is doing. I really appreciate both of you joining us today. For those tuning in, if you are interested in taking advantage of the 20% match that the UBS Optimist Foundation is offering on contributions to MUSO, or learning about our Zakat-eligible programs and how to get involved, please reach out to your UBS financial advisor or our family advisory and philanthropy services team. Thank you all for joining us today.
0: The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author, the securities or views stated herein. Any specific Securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different in material ways. We are governed by different laws and separate arrangements